Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Good evening, JR and everyone. God bless you all for um, showing up on a Friday night for the Lord to move in mighty ways on our behalf. And um, we can expect great things. Heavenly Father, I come before you um, just saying thank you for your mercy and grace. And I ask that you would bless us all to get a better understanding of your kindness, your loving kindness and tender mercies and so that we can utilize uh, these benefits like mercy and grace and your love and your compassion toward us. And we can just have a greater appreciation and sense of gratitude every morning that we're blessed to wake up. Lord, I'm asking that you comfort those of us who are mourning or grieving or just uh, toiling experiencing mental anguish or just depression and anxiety because of the the way of the world and the direction things have taken because of COVID or because of um, a previous administration or a current administration. But whatever the case, we know that being citizens of your kingdom means that your government is... um, It's what we um, are experiencing. It's not the government of this world, but your rule and your reign. We experience your laws and your main law is the law of love. And so because of that, we can still uh, smile and still have hope for the future because we ultimately know that you're the president. You're the governor. You know, you're the mayor. You're the one making all of the decisions. You're the one who nothing gets past you. You have to approve it or disapprove it. You have to okay it, you know, or give it a thumbs down. We know that you're the one who's in control over the whole world. And just because of that, that gives us, you know, ease of, it it puts us at ease and gives us peace of mind. And Lord, I I just want to thank you for your overwhelming favor and for watching over your word to perform it. I thank you for uh, prophetically speaking through your ministers, through your servants. And I ask that you would truly um, bless us to receive all that you have for us, that nothing would get in the way, Lord. No act of disobedience, no act of selfishness, no act of, of doubt or of unbelief. So if those things would be um, hindrances to us receiving your very best for us, then I bind those things and I curse them at the very root. I bind the works of doubt, the works of unbelief. I bind unbelief. I bind um, selfishness. I bind disobedience. I bind uh, treachery and any form of iniquity, whatever these things would be. And I curse them at the root and root and I speak crop failure right now in the name of Jesus. If it's unforgiveness, even I curse it at the very root. I bind those works and cancel those assignments because we need to get a prayer through. You said if we regard iniquity, 
sin. Um, we just constantly uh, thinking these things, whether it be uh, subconsciously or whether we are fully aware of these wrong thoughts and imaginations, then we know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. So we pull those things down right now and we bring every thought and our ability to envision uh, into submission concerning your divine will for our lives because we don't want iniquity to block us from getting a prayer through. We need you to hear us when we call. You are the God of our righteousness. We need you, Lord, to move mightily on behalf of us, your people. We need you to do what only you can do. Because many of us seem like, you know, the, the odds are stacked against us. And sometimes we look in the mirror and we don't forgive ourselves the way that you've forgiven us. You've forgiven <clears throat> us of every error, every sin, every mistake, every bad habit, past, present, and future tense. As far as the East is from the West, you've removed our transgressions from us. And in coming to a close, which is to do at this moment, but in coming to a close for respect of JR's uh, format and with regard to his timing, I ask that you would just have your way through him as he speaks on this evening, that we would be receptive uh, to everything that you're saying and doing. Let uh, our spiritual ears and eyes be wide open to receive what you're showing and saying. And let there be a wise application and the right response to what you're doing in this hour. In Jesus' name I pray. I lose the manifestation of this prayer request being performed in a manner that pleases you, God. Amen. Amen and amen. Y'all, today is a very special day because this lesson is both overdue and on time. Oxymoron, I know, but let me tell you, it's overdue from a human perspective because we talk about it all the time, yet we've never just really gone in depth on it. But it's right on time because in Kairos, God's perfect, excellent timing, it's right there exactly when we need it when we need it the most, because God is an on-time God, according to the old gospel song. Well, you may be asking yourself, what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about favor. And if you've been a part of this Bible study, if you've listened to any of them before, or if this is your first time, you're going to hear this term a lot. Today, we are talking about God math, y'all, because God math, or his favor, that unmerited thing that we do not deserve because even after getting saved in this sanctification process, we mess up. We miss the mark day in and day out, minute after minute, second after second, hour after hour. We mess up. But God and his favor and his mercy that endures forever. It, it, it works. It really works for us. So let me tell you. This lesson here is, of course, a culmination of wonderful things that have happened, not just in my life, but in the lives of a lot of people that I know I'm connected to and those around us, because y'all, God is moving. Last week at the end of Bible study, the Lord, through my mother, proclaimed blessings, not just blessings, but choice blessings and not just choice blessings, but like ASAP blessings. And 
when God says a thing, well, just just keep your eye open because you don't want to miss what he's going to do. And I'm I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm I'm really not. I'm, at least I'm going to try not to in Jesus name. But I, I'm very excited to share this lesson with you guys. And we're going to start off tonight in Nehemiah chapter two, verses one through eight. Now, of course, the Lord had put this in my spirit at the beginning of this week. And this particular passage comes from a T.D. Jakes video that was shared with me by my mother. And as I watched it, you know, T.D., as he normally does, he was he was spitting. Those were good gospel nuggets flying left and right. And it's nobody but God that can just get a point across like God can. And so to try to retain some of my excitement, let, let's go ahead and just dig into the word and then we'll start giving some context to some things. So again, we're going to start off in Nehemiah chapter two, verses one through eight. And so the Bible says early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, the king asked, excuse me, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, beside whom the queen was sitting, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I gave him a definite time for my return. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through the territories, through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. So, this nice little chunk of Nehemiah. Let's give it some context and let's talk about God math. So, in the book of Nehemiah, and this is only chapter two, but in the beginning of it, Nehemiah begins to reminisce on his days when he was the king's cupbearer or when he was basically the, the official taste tester. Anything that was coming before the king, he would taste it, make sure it was OK and then pass it on. Well, he had been doing this for quite a while now. And of course, he, as well as his fellow tribesmen, had been dispersed because of the exile that uh, had been placed upon the children of Israel, which inevitably led to the split between Israel becoming this 
dual nation of Israel and Judah and then their inevitable split where they became two separate entities. We won't go into great deal of detail upon that because it's not necessary to our lesson, but I'm just giving you context here. So Nehemiah is doing his job. As you heard, he looks out of sorts. He's beside himself. He doesn't know really what to do. And the king, uh, to quote my boy T.D. Jakes, is used to dealing with these big issues. Now, when he asked Nehemiah, what can I do to help you? In the King James Version and in the, the more you know, close to home, as close to the, the Greek and Hebrew translations as we can get. It says, what do you request? And that's very important because when we get ready to talk about this God math and I can just feel the Holy Spirit jumping inside of me, there are some things that we need to have in order with ourselves when God asks us certain questions. The first and foremost of which is to fully have an understanding of what it is that you require. Now, this will be my last quote from TD because this just helps paint the picture, but everything else, God got it. When we ask God for certain things, and I remember reading and studying a, a Bible study about it, it said to stop praying weak prayers. Don't just ask God for, for money. Stop, stop generalizing your prayers. It's okay to ask for certain things when your heart is right. Keep that in mind. But stop, stop being so general. Lord, I just need some, some resources. Lord, I just need some money. You, God could give you 50 cents. That's money. But what God wants us to do is to be bold, to be courageous, because he has opened up the throne room where we can boldly come before him to receive grace and mercy when we need it. So we ought to be bold when we pray. We ought to be bold knowing that our God, our heavenly father, who is control of everything that is that goes on in this planet, whether it be good or bad, he allows it all because it's all working out according to his plan and his purpose to show us just how desperately we need him and how messed up we are. Now let's get into the God math. Nehemiah has been the king's cupbearer for X amount of years. He's been doing his thing. And now the king poses him a question. What can I do to help you? Or what do you request? God asks us, a lot of times, and we typically don't have answers, is what do you need? What can I do for you? What do you want? Now, I know we typically deal with lessons that revolve around what we can do in application of the word to be better servants, to be better stewards of the word. But the biggest thing sometimes we fail to understand is that this relationship is a give and a take, like all relationships. You give the Lord your life, and he takes all the bad, all the wicked, and all the evil that's been stored up in your heart out of you gradually through sanctification. As God blesses you, he's giving you things that you either need or that you want or that you desire. Well, in return, you give him your service, you give him your love, your trust, the things that we do with one another. 
I love my grandmother. She loves me. I do for her. She does for me. Very simple. Same thing with my mom, my aunts, my uncles, my brothers, all of that. That's how the relationships work. Well, it's the same way with God, except it's way more amazing because God has everything to give you and is very happy to give it all to you. Because if you are his child, well, you are a joint heir to the throne of God. This is where the God math starts kicking in. My boy Nehemiah is afraid because it's like, well, this powerful person whom I know has control of so many things and so many avenues and has so much to offer just straight up asked me, what do I want? Well, when it comes to knowing what we want, let me tell you something. You won't know until you get past yourself. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but if if I'm thinking about me, I should know what I want. No, you don't. Because when I was a selfish person and, you know, we we still kind of are until we till we we start to grow more. But when when I first got really saved, when I first started taking my walk with God seriously, I didn't know what I wanted. And I would often hear the Lord ask me sometimes what is it that you want? And I couldn't give him an answer aside from Lord. I just want to do good in school. I want, I want resources for the family. I want these people to, you know, not be sick anymore. I want X, Y, and Z. But I mean, that was great at that point in my life. But when you start growing and walking with God and he asks you questions like that, well, this is how you become unselfish. Stop making life about you because you don't know anything. We don't know anything and we can't benefit ourselves because we have nothing to offer ourselves. But God, who is not only savior, but father, way maker, provider and everything in between has everything to offer you. So when he asks you what you want, the easiest way to respond or to have a proper response for God is to stick close to him, to make sure that your will is lining up with his will. Because as we grow, as we go through trials and tribulations, different testings, as we experience shortcomings in life, it's all done not to take us out, but to purify our desires. To quote one of my favorite Kirk Franklin songs, just for me, we go through things as a test to come out on the other side, stronger, sharper, smarter, wiser. And that's all done through God. And at the very end, after Nehemiah makes his plea, after he asks for what he wants, well, guess what? It all happens. It pleased the king to do these things. And why did it do that? Because the good hand or the favor of God was over his life. This is where things start to ramp up now. When God's favor is over your life, it does not matter what situation you're in, what issues you have, what you've been going through, what life is trying to throw at you, what people say about you to your face and behind your back. None of that matters. If you've been here before or if this is your first time, let me reiterate it, that no one can say anything about your life unless God himself has personally told them something. But that also means that no one can stamp the value of your life because no one knows you except the creator. And our God, 
according to my favorite Bible passage, knows the plans that he has for our lives, Jeremiah 29, and that those plans are for good and not for evil, that they are to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. That at the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, that he knew us before he even planted us in our mother's wombs. He says the same thing in Psalms, or my boy, I think David or Solomon was talking there, most likely David though. And he said, Father, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And he rejoiced at that because God already knew what he wanted to do with his life before there was even a thought of who David was going to be, of who J.R. was going to be, of who you were going to be. So Nehemiah gets everything he asked for. He goes on his merry way and he gets the job done. I'm skipping a lot of points, but you get the gist here. You get God in your life. You serve God. You love God. Well, then the God math starts working out. Well, how does it work out the way that it does, you may ask? Well, let me tell you, when we take a look at uh, the I am statements of Jesus, Jesus isn't just confirming for you that he is God. He isn't just confirming to you that he is the prophecy fulfilled. He isn't just confirming for you that he is your all in all and everything in between, but he's confirming something else for you that we see after the I am statements. So let me share them with you. It's John 6, 35, 8, 12, 10, 9, 10, 11, uh, 11, 25, 14, 6, 15, 1, and then back to 8. And we wrap that up with verse 58. So the Bible says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out freely and find pasture or spiritual security. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And then to wrap it all up, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was... I am. Now we've talked about this, these I am statements and the, the, the conjuncture that it is and all that it has to offer. Jesus was telling the children of Israel to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and anyone else who was kind of knowledgeable about the scriptures, but mainly the Israelites. Listen, I made you a promise a very long time ago back in the garden after all y'all messed up. And I told you that there would be a promised seed who would come and bruise the head of the serpent and that I would get, I would finally finish this. I would call it a day, go put 82 on that scoreboard and walk off the court. So Jesus chooses uh, David. He anoints him as king. He gets him set up. And what happens? The promise is fulfilled about 
what I don't know how many generations later a lot I'm not gonna just say a random number but it's a lot and the point of that is is to show you that it's not about what we see it's not about what we hear it's not about what we feel because feelings are overrated it's about what God has said it's about what God has done it's about what God is doing it's about what God is still yet to do because he is the ever progressive God and in your life with God meant he's telling you in these I am statements that whatever you need I got you whether it be water for your thirsty vessel I got you I'm the water I can provide both physical water and I can be the water to make sure that you on the inside your spirit man is quenched when you're hungry well like Jesus told Satan in the valley it's not that man should live on bread alone or just food that you can eat but that our true sustenance is by us surviving off of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God or from his word because he is his word. And I could keep going in that direction, but the point I'm trying to make to you, brothers and sisters, is that God math says, I don't care what your background is. Oh, your mom was a crackhead. So what? I don't care about that. That doesn't have anything to do with your life. Your parents were stepping out on each other, and now you live in this broken home. I don't care. God math says, whatever they did has nothing to do with my plans for you, because what they want to do and what I want for your life are two entirely different things. When people try to manipulate you, when they try to shape your life through some form of witchcraft or whatever it may be that they're trying to do that has nothing to do with God's will, well, guess what? It cannot prevail in Jesus' name because he is the only one that has the power and the authority to allow any orchestrated events to occur in your life. So if something seems wrong and you don't know God, well, if you've heard about that man named Jesus, well, then I, I highly suggest you run to him because the same God math that made a job for me out of nothing when I needed a job about two summers ago, and then I went to a job fair and God just made me one on the spot, something that hadn't even existed. There it was. When I can't count the amount of times my grandmother needed a contract to go through for my grandfather and it didn't look like anything would work out. But then sometimes we've gotten double or triple or quadruple or however amount times where my mom has had these different opportunities that a normal person shouldn't get, but hey, here they are. My aunt who moved up the ladder and became a, a corporate monster in her own right. My brother who recently received a, just an offer that doesn't even make sense for where we are in our lives as young men. And all that is God math. And yeah, why, why do we get it? I mess up every day. I beat myself up over it sometimes. I'm sick of myself. I'm tired of the fact that I make some of the same mistakes over and over and over again. But God math works in accordance to his forgiveness. It works in accordance to his grace and his mercy. And my favorite, it works in accordance with that sea of forgetfulness that he possesses. When you ask your heavenly father for repentance, it's gone. If that ain't God math, I don't know what is. How can I just have nothing on my books, even though I know I have a rap sheet that's probably as, as far as the east is to the west. But God says your sins 
won't touch you in the same way that they are that the east is from the west that's how far he will remove them from you that's god matthew all the opportunities the abilities to to just really come up as we say none of it makes sense not to this but to god it makes all the sense because he's the one in control of your life he's the one in control of this world no matter how bad it looks he allows these things to happen not because god is this as Jim Carrey said, this ant, well, this this bully child on an ant hill with a magnifying glass. No, God loves us, and He loves us so much that He doesn't take our free will away. Because if you've been with me before, well, then you know that He honors the choices that we make. He even says Himself that He will repay the hearts of men. Well, with God, math, and this little culmination of scripture we're about to get to it had me and my grandmother jumping for joy because after you read the I am statements and then you read this it all starts to truly make sense about why favor works the way it does in the children of God's life so check it out in John chapter 14 verses 13 through 14 Matthew 7 7 through 8 and then John 16 23 through 24 which says it all for me so let's see Jesus says you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father yes ask me for anything in my name and I will do it Matthew 7 Jesus says keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And then in John 16, Jesus says, In that day, you will not need to ask me about anything. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, as my representative, he will give you. Until now you have not asked the Father for anything in my name, but now ask and keep on asking and you will receive, so that your joy may be full and complete." Now, you may be wondering, what am I getting at right here? Well, let me tell you. Up until Jesus went, got up on that cross, hung his head and died, said it is finished, and that veil tore in the temple, there was a middleman between us and God. We needed prayers answered. We needed a sign. We needed a wonder. We needed something done. Well, there was a prophet or a priest in place. And we would go talk to them. We would offer up some form of sacrifice. And then they'd get back to us in about, you know, one to three business days, according to how quickly the Lord wanted to deal with that particular situation. And yeah, it, it was functional. It worked. It, it got the job done, kind of, sort of. It, it met some of our needs. But here's the thing. You know how we have bills to pay every month? Well, when you have to pay a bill over and over and over again, you're always reminded that, man, I got to pay that bill. In the same way, if I have to keep giving a sacrifice for my sin, well, I'm reminded of these sins over and over and over again. But here's the thing about our Lord deciding that he loved us so much 
that he'd come down in a body just like yours and mine to come die for us. When he gave the sacrifice, he didn't give this non-renewable sacrifice like how we have non-renewable energy. He gave one that continuously is being used and is paid because he died once for all. He took a blank check, put it on your rap sheet, signed it, and said whatever they need to cover any expenses that are accrued, I got them covered. And so what happens? Jesus dies. He, before that, he offers salvation through him, asking you to come to him. And then he ascends to heaven. And after all of that, we're, we're told that now, before he goes back, that we can go forth in the name, that singular name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to baptize the nations that we are given power that the Holy Spirit or the Comforter, our advocate, our teacher, he has come now to take home in our lives and to make sure that everything that thus said the Lord is told to us so that we are on the same page with God. So when God cuts out the middleman, it's just you and it's him. And as the Bible goes on to say, well, we are like this. We are of the same spirit now. We are consubstantial with God. We are of one essence, one likeness, one kindred. And because of that, well, 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 Jesus says it best. Until now, you have not asked the Father for anything in my name, meaning you didn't really know me yet because it wasn't time for you to know me in this way. You knew about me. You knew my characteristics. You knew my qualities. And that's great because I still wanted to be your God. Nothing's changed. But now that I reveal to you who I really am, well, there's no need for the middleman because guess what? Jesus in the I am statements, he's the door. So he opens up the passageway between us and God. And then he seals the deal by making us of one spirit with him. Because if any man is in Christ Jesus, well, he's a new creature. The old life has passed away and the new life has begun. So what we see now is God math working just left and right day and night. He's our great high priest. He's praying for us constantly. He is the lamb slain eternally in the throne room of God. He is your all in all. He's the reason why all these miraculous things happen. How some of the things I shared with you a few moments ago just can keep going. The fact that this is still a pandemic, things are still crazy, things are still bad, people are out here wilding out, but yet we're still here. We're still praising God. And even though he's used this virus to take some of the brothers and sisters home, that doesn't mean they did anything wrong. It was just their time to go, their work was done. But for those of us who are still here, who are still going strong, who are repping that bloodstained banner, let me tell you something. I take great joy in knowing that God's favor, which doesn't make any sense, continues to work in our lives because people are still being blessed. People are still getting miraculous opportunities. People are learning and growing and overcoming and breaking strongholds and just achieving things that they only thought in their wildest dreams because of what God has done for us.
And the biggest thing he's done for us in this pandemic is give us time and space with him. When you can't really go nowhere, even though things are technically open now, well, you have no choice but to face whatever you've been trying to run from. And my favorite part about that is, is that God is not a runner. God runs through the issues because he takes you through the storm. He doesn't take you around the storm. But like Yolanda Adams says, he takes you through that thing. Okay, and when you go through a storm, when you go through a trial or a tribulation or whatever it is, don't you know that those numbers that God with his supreme accountant calculator is calculating everything down to that last decimal, making sure that not only do you come out unscathed, but that you come out brand new, that you come out leveled up, that you come out better than you were before, because God is not in a restoration process. He is in a, I don't even know what to call it, but he makes us brand new each day, just like the new mercies that we receive each day, just like how sanctification continues to to remake us each day, just like how God being the potter puts us the pottery in the oven so that when a layer burns off, we're not that same pot or creation, but we're a new creation because something's changed. Something's broken off. Something has elevated you to a new level. And man, I could sit here all night and just tell you how good God is for his favor alone, because none of us should be here. But he thought so highly of us in love to come down and die for us. And yeah, that's our God. He loves you that much that even after saving you, even after getting saved, you're still kind of crazy. He just doesn't stop blessing you. He actually is looking for an excuse to bless you, just like how a, a loving parent looks for a reason to do something to make their child smile. Well, your heavenly father, our father is the exact same way. So, Lord, we come before you just saying thank you that despite as wild as we can get, you still love us. You don't give up on us. You are faithful to us to a T. And Father, just like Mary said, there's nothing that we could give you but our hearts. And I thank you that that's the thing that you want, Lord. You don't want some form of payment. You don't want some indentured servitude. You want our hearts willingly you want us to give it to you not because you know we simply owe it to you because you paid the price but because you want us to get to know you not the god of wonders not just the the one who can give us any and everything but to know you lord to know jesus to know the one who said love suffers a long time that it puts up with a whole lot, that it it hears all, it bears all, it sees all, it forgives all, it understands all. Lord, that's what you are. You are love. And I thank you so much that as we get closer and closer to you each day that we are blessed to walk this earth, that we can take that love and we can emulate it to show it to another person so that when they see us, they don't see us. They don't see me, Jr. The, the little crazy boy from South Park, they see you, Lord. 
And what they see of me is that they see your child. When they see my brothers and sisters, they don't see their faults, but they see you, Father. Because just like Jesus said, if you've seen me, well, then you've seen the Father. And that should be the goal for any Christian, a follower of Christ, a child of God, that when someone sees us, that they don't see us, but that they see you, God, because we are mirrors and our job is to reflect. So, Lord, I thank you that this refracting process that you have going on isn't just working, but that it's working so well that honestly the numbers don't make sense. But, Lord, your God, Matthew, your favor, the thing that makes these wonderful things happen in our life, the things that we ask you for and seek you for that make our joy full and complete all come from you because you are the eternal one. And it's nothing that this world could offer us that could ever truly take your space because Lord, we're full of holes from going through this life. But I thank you that you're the one that can not only fill the hole, but that you can take it and make it disappear because once we're filled with you Christ Jesus well then we're as the scriptures say we're made perfect and complete and lacking nothing so father I ask that if it's anyone listening to you under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you that they would get to know you that something peculiar would happen that would push them to calling on your great name Lord Jesus because if they would just get to know you the way we know you father well they'd never turn back because there is nowhere to turn back to because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the beginning and the end of us, Lord. You are our Alpha and Omega. You are our everything. You are the yes and the amen. And Father, we just thank you for it all. So Lord, bless everyone who's heard this message. Give them exactly what they need and teach them how to overcome self so that when you ask, what do you request? That Father, not only will we have an answer for you, but that answer would have nothing to do with simply us but that it would lead to us being able to emulate you by helping others and expanding this family of ours lord we love you we thank you and we'll be sure to give your name all the praise all the honor and all the glory which you so rightly deserve it's these things we thank you for in jesus mighty name we pray amen and amen hey family I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.